Welcome to Hoop Fiends, the podcast that will make a scene at a family barbecue trying to convince some garbage pail cousin that Team USA basketball really is worth watching this year. All right, we're back with an all-new episode <laughs> and potentially my favorite one we've done so far. Coming out of the gate with these hot statements, but it's true. We talk a lot about drama and narratives on this podcast, but those two things really don't have a bigger home than the NBA offseason. Tell anyone that doesn't think the NBA is the best league around to take a lap because we've been glued to our phones watching all of these moves and drama the past couple of weeks. I can't think of a reality show better than this league, and I can't think of a better place to break it down than right here on tonight's episode. We got a jam-packed episode with off-season moves, a draft breakdown, and we're just trying desperately to keep up with this up-and-down U.S. Olympic team. Let's get into it. How's everybody feeling about this off-season so far? Uh, it's been an interesting one. I'm a little offended, though, because you called my cousin a garbage garbage ball. <laughs> is that you whose move is making the, uh, <laughs> the scene at a family barbecue trying to get this field to watch the USA basketball scene? Yeah, I, I see. I probably would be that, but... <laughs> well, it's good. Inter- inter- international basketball is worth fighting for. It's been good. I love international well, basketball. Also, the irony of, like, that we're defending bas- uh, US Team USA when we spent all last time talking about how much we hate them and how they stink. Yeah, <laughs> that's typical of us. We're, we're back in a week and our opinions have completely changed. Always. <laughs> it's the nature of the podcast. We're back and forth. But you know what? I think that's the nature of current sports media and we're part of the media. So can't, can't blame ourselves too much. Things are moving at a rapid pace. I'm just trying to keep up myself. Um, Steve, you really are a senior analyst when it comes to international basketball how long have you how long have you been following australian basketball for before we dive into anything else tonight i think we never i don't know if we brought that up tonight too much on this pod you're a huge aussie yeah we've mentioned it in passing i feel like but we haven't let's really dive in i've I've been a big nbl fan for like three years this is my third year now um they i mean they play their games at like one to three in the morning which is like my prime time of just there's nothing on tv so i'm gonna uh, watch all these aussies play basketball and i fell in love with their league i love the players i love the style of play it's so much fun and it was so much fun getting to see a lot of them play against the u.s a few days ago i think you came in at a good time too didn't you get did you get to see um what's his face lonzo ball come in and not lonzo oh, Lamelo, yeah, I got Lamello. you. Lamelo, you have uh, Lamelo come in and yeah. then go into the draft. That's pretty sick. Exactly. It's it's honestly probably the most fun part of it. It's like uh, each each season, there's like one or two guys where you know that there's a pretty good chance they can play in the league. And like with Lamelo's case, it was a, like a chance he could go number one overall. And you saw that this yeah. year too. Like I on the last part, I was having up Josh Giddy because he comes from the NBL, and it's such a fun league. And I just I love everything about them, and they breed good players. They really do. Jingle and Joe, a lot of good guys. Oh yeah, yeah the, all the good Patty Mills. It's funny when Josh Giddy got drafted uh, earlier this, last week. My roommate, who knows that he he like only really knows that you watch like the NBL <laughs> league, and he goes he goes what what does your boy think? <laughs> I'm That's like oh, it's so pretty good, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad he went to me for my analysis. It's it's so funny too. Another funny story. I was talking to our buddy, uh, Pledge Mile, Jake Gershio, who is a Thunder fan. And I texted him like at 5 p.m. because I was reading a blog, like my NBL blog that I read sometimes. And they had like sources, Aussie sources that were saying Josh Kitty was getting <laughs> looks by the Thunder. The Aussies. So, so I texted him. I'm like, well, I heard I heard uh, my boys going to you uh, at the sixth overall pick. He's like, we would never reach on him. He's not going that high. Like everything I read tells me we're getting 
Scotty Barnes or this guy or that guy. I'm like, I don't know, man. I got a feeling you're getting Josh Giddy. And it was turned out to be true. It was so funny. Well, I have a lot to say about Giddy going to that team, so we're going to hop into that later. But before you leave his international talk, do you do you feel like the Aussies actually play any differently than they do in the NBA? Um, I would I would say it's a little bit different because, I mean, first of all, you see Patty Mills go out here, and he looks like one of the best players in the entire world. It's bizarre, but, yeah. Yeah, in the NBA. I mean, he's a good role player. I love watching Patty play. But it's a different thing. I mean, you saw it with Ricky Rubio, too, going against the U.S. Uh, for Spain the other day. He dropped 38. I'm like, I don't think I've ever seen Ricky Rubio do something like that. So People it's just, thought he would, never did. Yeah, it's just like, I feel like these guys get, like, this pride for playing for their country. And then something we always talk about, it's like pretty much any NBA player can score 20 points a game if they are featured in offense. So when right. that's happening in these overseas games, it makes sense. You, I mean, they're running the offense through Patty Mills and Joe Ingles, and these guys are just carrying the team. Yeah, yeah it's going to be like, exciting to see what happens. Yeah, definitely. It's funny watching. I feel like Australia is, like, the only other team besides, like, Team USA, obviously, where I recognize more than, like, two names. I'm like, oh, yeah. like, I actually yeah. have, like, heard of most of these people in some yeah. sense. Some and it was cool for, cool for me, too, because, like, USA, like, I, where I know all 12 guys or whatever, Aussies, I knew literally all 12 guys on their team because it's either guys from the NBA who were from Australia or guys who played in the NBL for the most part. So it was pretty cool in that sense. And, I mean, they gave USA a ride for their money in the uh, semifinals. They played them good in the first half, but eventually Kevin Durant figured out that he's much better than everybody and eventually beat them. And, I mean, he did the same thing in Spain too, right? They were down going into halftime, and then Kevin Durant's like, all right, I'm the best player in the world. Like, I should show it. And that's been able to help USA kind of move on and keep going through this tournament, even though, and I think they kind of got bailed out because the, I mean, our favorite player, Luca in this tournament, I don't know. Well, I don't know if I should speak for you guys on that, but my favorite player in this tournament, he's been fun to watch. Yeah. He's been awesome. Um, And he lost at the buzzer to the French uh, on a very, very important Nick Batum block with like 0.1 seconds on the clock. It was literally their down one. Guy I'd never heard of drives to the rim off the pass from Luca has an open layup and Batum blocks him from behind. So we're gonna get a French USA rematch. Who the French are the only team to beat them so far? That's pretty hype. The, the stakes don't get better than that. You got to think this is like good for international basketball. I feel like this is only gonna actually raise the profile for international guys coming into the draft. Oh yeah, and and a big thing of that is like the success Lamelo is having in the league now. And then if Josh Giddy is successful, and then there's a couple other guys like you guys know Jay Sean Tate on the Rockets. Mm-hmm. He's a yeah. he was one of the top five rookies this year, and he was also an NBL guy. So it's just these if there's keep breeding success in like all these leagues, and obviously we know some of the bigger countries like Serbia and Slovenia now are breeding right. NBA right. talent. So it's something to watch for sure. Really is the uh, gonna become the world's game. Move over soccer. We got basketball, man. I hope so. I mean, that's how I feel. Down with soccer. <laughs> I was joking around a little bit. Uh, I mean, I, I always try to joke around a little bit. We we'll do like a, a little optimization, see how well it does hit with our with our viewers. But I wasn't really joking too much. I really do take it personally when people try to put down the NBA. We love it so much. We have a podcast about it. But for a lot of reasons that we're going to cover on this podcast. Uh, we'll stick with what we're talking about for now. I just think it, like the NBA is a, such an exciting sport because it's so international. I feel like the lid's been blown open the past 
10 years by such an influx of international players being the best players in the league. I think three of them, Embiid, Jokic, and Giannis, are top 10 guys. How cool is that? Along with international guys, and I I just love the off-season drama. I feel like that's what makes it for me. Do you guys ever get the feeling that that's kind of what turns it off for some people, though? Like, you ever talk to someone, they're just, like, pretty anti-player empowerment? Probably. Yeah, I feel like that's a lot of people. They're like, oh, like these drama queens, they just move around everywhere. But I'm like, yeah, that's why that's why it rocks. Yeah, I think that's it's 24-7 entertainment all year round. You can't say that a lot of, about a lot of sports. You, yeah. you, can either, you can either have that or you can have like Clayton Kershaw sitting on the Dodgers who's like good and then he just like stays there for years and he just becomes bad. And I, yeah. I like the player movement. Or yeah, yeah. I mean, even like MLB free agency, it's like these guys will sit out like for four months before they decide where they want to play and it's like slow moving and it'll be some random like Tuesday in March and I'll be like you know what this guy decided to sign you're like oh okay I forgot about baseball for a while right but the NBA almost has its like departments it's like all right we have the draft season we have the free agency season we have the summer league which I'm looking forward to uh, next week and then before you know it's preseason and then the NBA's here and it's what excuse me like we just end yeah it's very rewarding for fans because, of course, we all, you know, t- like Steve and myself are big Knicks fans. Riley, you're a huge Celtics fan. We love our teams, but I think it's the, you know, obviously a little biased because it's our favorite league. But I think it's the most rewarding league for people to enjoy outside of your own team. We all are fans of the major sports leagues, but I don't know how much I care about, like, a Diamondbacks Mariners game on any random night. But, like, for, like, the – like if the Nuggets were to play the Pelicans, I have rooting interest on both sides. I feel like I can't really find that about any other team. And what adds to that rooting interest is just these plot lines. I feel like players get thrown around so often. And I feel like at the start of the player empowerment movement, it was just like the really big names, like making these blockbuster trades. But I feel like as we dive into this offseason that's been so busy these past two weeks, a lot of guys are going back to teams like George Hill's back on the Bucks. You know, that's exciting for him to kind of go back now that they have a title. So I, I just think that stuff's so cool that even the small guys are moving around all the time. Tory Craig, who swung, who could have swung the finals, is now he got moved too. <laughs> it would, so where do you guys want to start? You want to start with uh, free agency? Yeah, there's a ton of breakdown. Let's go ahead and kind of hop right into it. So maybe before we get into those little guys, Let's uh, jump into one of the blockbuster moves. Riley, what was one of the biggest blockbuster moves that struck you? I think the biggest one, uh, at least for me, has got to be uh, Lowry going over to the to Miami Heat. Um, everyone, we, all, we all kind of assumed that Kyle Lowry was either going to go to Miami or L.A. or stay in Toronto. That one kind of seemed less and less likely. But right. he finally decided there was a big sign trade for – they sent him – to Miami for Drag- Dragic and uh, Precious Achua. So uh, that one I think is probably the most interesting because, yeah, Lowry didn't look that great last year, but I think he's still one of the better point guards in the league. He's definitely a top half point guard for sure. I yeah. would uh, I would say this is a big, big move for uh, Miami to just kind of go all in and be like, we need our own version of the Chris Paul signing. Like we need to get like a, just right. more veteran presence in here. Let's just batten down the hatches and ride with the crew we have, and we'll see what happens. 
Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I just think uh, that signing changes the whole perplexity of how we're looking at the Miami Heat. I think they're right back in contention for a title again. And especially that with the other moves they made, like re-signing Butler. They re-signed Oladipo today. That was another thing. I mean, yeah. they're, they, they brought in P.J. Tucker, too. I'm trying to think of other things they did. But they, uh, they re-signed just, Duncan. They re-signed Duncan, that's right. And I know Riley Brown's the P.J. Tucker thing. But he's better than, he's better than like, Iguodala and, uh, like, uh, Trevor Ariza, who they're running out last year. At least he can. Defend. I think I think all three of those people are exactly the same. Yeah, they were. <laughs> you're right. Yeah, on any given night, it just depends. But, it depends but you situation. Peter Tucker won a championship, so give me uh, Peter. Uh, well, wait, hold on. All three of those guys have won a championship now. Shit. <laughs> whatever whatever the point is that pj Tuck- pj tucker at least is a funny guy to have on the court so at least i'll yeah, enjoy watching yeah. him yeah i think he actually well, I think no he is a big heat culture yeah. guy no yeah i think that's the thing i think that's what they're looking for you love to see it and i mean I, I think that's when you were bringing up the first part of the larry trade route i think that's what i'm kind of sinking my teeth into the most about this i don't know if like just like pure talent wise if he's that much of a huge upgrade over Drogic. I feel like Drogic was pretty awesome in the 2020 playoffs in the bubble there. He had some like great moments in the Celtics series, I'm sure you remember, to get them into the finals. I think Larry is kind of hovering where he's like, I think he's a, a notch above Drogic, but not by a lot. But what does make this a worthy trade is his basketball IQ. He's one of the smarter point guards out there. He always knows what to do with the ball. He can be a pass first guy or he can go ahead and pull up with a nice mid-range jumper. So I think that veteran presence of a guy who's like been to the finals before is actually what they kind of paid for. Yeah, I would say Lowry, Lowry's more – he can kind of do it all, right? He's like exactly what you'd want out of a point guard. He can yeah. pass and facilitate in an offense really well. He can shoot really nicely. Uh, he's pretty great on defense. He's, he's great at drawing fouls. I yeah. he, I think he's a team that is going to make – he's going to make whatever team he, he went to better. And it works that he went to the Miami Heat and just – full of guys like that who can kind of do everything pretty well. So right. uh, I, I think it's a good move for them. Uh, the one move for the Miami Heat that I did not like, and I'm sure we'll get into this in a little bit, was the big, big contract they gave off to Jimmy Butler. Yeah. Uh, it's hard not to be hyperbolic about it. I mean, I'm sure he has a couple really good years left in him, but correct me if I'm wrong, right? Was that a five-year contract? Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that's – I think once we hit year three, they're going to be kind of, you know, kicking themselves in the butt a little bit about that one. Just because, I don't know, in the NBA, five years is a really long time because we were just talking about how fast things can move in this league that we love so much. It is a super long time because pieces shift around so much. I don't know what Jimmy's going to be giving us in years three, four, and five of that contract. Yeah, but also, are we sure? I mean, you could, you guys might know and I don't, but like, I feel like, every contract nowadays has like two years and then a buyout or like two years right. and then a player option. So, I mean, maybe there is none. It's a lot like, of money. It is a lot of money, but like, again, also I'm going to pose because I'm fighting both of you here. What, what, what are they going to do? They have to keep Jimmy Butler. They have to sign him to an extension. What else are they going to do? Oh, well, no, I, I completely agree. Uh, but I actually remember us talking about this on this podcast when the Miami heat lost the finals is like, he's, too good of a player to let go obviously he's still like a really solid player yeah he's not worth a max contract but somebody is going to pay him a max contract 
So right. if you're the Miami Heat, it's like, well, what are you going to do, right? You're either going to let him leave, go for nothing, and then this is Jimmy Butler we're talking about. This guy plays with a chip on his shoulder all the time. So, like, he'll go with whatever team he, he leaves Miami for and, like, probably tear it up. Uh, right. But if you pay him a lot, you're like, what they're doing now is the, at the 2025-2026 the season, at the age of 36, is going to be making $50 million. Like, that is a ridiculous amount. I mean, I still think he has a game that I think will age pretty well. Even though he doesn't shoot well, he's very good defensively, and he can drive to the basket, but he's not overly aggressive. You know what I mean? So I think he'll still be able to play pretty well even as he gets older and he starts to lose his shine a little bit. It just seemed like a big risk, especially with how he looked at near the end of the season last year. You're just yeah. hoping that those good parts of him stay. Like, I feel like he's always at the line. He, uh, he He's another guy that just kind of almost reminds everyone of, like, a running back with how efficient he is. And what I like about Jimmy is that he kind of doesn't mind being, like, a second or third option. In those um, – during their finals run two years ago, I feel like in every series except the finals, he wasn't the best player. Like, Tarah Hero really showed up. Bam showed up. Drogic showed up in the in those playoff series before the finals. So – that's hopefully like the shining light for the Heat is that he can just kind of sink into a smaller role. But again, a lot of money to play someone that will sink into a smaller role. Well, and especially I think with how Miami's vision is signing Lowry, giving all these one year deals or one or two year deals to PJ and Oladipo, they are really like, we can win a title with this core. So they really, they, they may be at a point where they don't really care how Jimmy Butler is going to look in five years from now because right. who knows how what that organization is going to look like five years from now. Like they can just have old Jimmy True. Butler rotting away on their team. Yeah, that's a good point. I like it. What, what does this make you guys think of Miami big picture? Like I, I know Steve, you always been have been a little bit more in a Miami the Miami Heat than we have. Always. Where do, where do you guys have have them now in the East? Uh, I think. Uh, I think they're a tier still below, like, the the Bucks, Nets, Philly. But I think they're right, like, for the four seed probably, like, four maybe six. 50. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah I would probably, right I'd probably the have them at three. I, I think they're a little bit better than Philly is right now. I mean, Philly, again, at the end of the day, has Joel Embiid, who is an MVP candidate, so he could always win you games if he needs to. But um, – I don't know. I, I like all the moves that they made, and I think they just had a pretty messed up year last year. And I think if everything comes into full fruition, I wouldn't be surprised if they're a three seed next year. Yeah, for sure. I can always buy them, ban in my heat. So I really, they're a team I don't want to face in the playoffs. Remember, they ended up losing in five games, but remember how terrified we were for the Bucs to play them again? Like, oh, yeah. I just feel like they're going to have that same status going into the season and that's not gonna that's not gonna change for a long time with them that's pretty impressive yeah for sure they're scary uh talking <laughs> about people with with big motors i mean we we're complimenting larry for his energy there's no one with the energy of russell westbrook and i i'm excited to no means to see what my favorite nba player is going to look like on my least favorite team <laughs> That, oh, yeah. that is one of the most polarizing traits that I've seen on Twitter in a while. It just it, it was out of nowhere, right? Too. I mean, none of us expected it. I thought no. he might move, but I definitely didn't think it would be so soon because he. I really thought Washington was going to keep him because he had an amazing like January until the postseason. He ended up averaging a triple double again. He put that team on his back to get them into the play-in. He was kind of buying into Washington. I thought they might have moved Beal instead of him. 
Well, and the biggest problem out of all this is now this just seals the deal, right? They can't get Damian Lillard. This is going to be impossible to move no, everything around. That's, that's not. <laughs> well, no, I, I think the I Damian window. Messing, I was just messing with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that, yeah, well of- that, that was my thought when they got rid of Trez and Kuzma. How are they going to trade for Damian? They got THT. <laughs> they, they really got him. They gave him a nice oh. contract. I feel like everyone got paid, man. That's my thing from the Wizards' perspective, too. It's just like, who fucking wants these guys? Like, why do we want <laughs> Trez and Kuzma and KCP? Like, I, can why? I go back at you with that? I actually feel like, I don't know I don't know what Washington's doing, but I, is anyone else going to feel that Washington's going to be a playing team? They're not going to be that bad next year. I think they're going to be awful, to be honest. No, I, I, I think Corey Kispert might be pretty good. And I thought, a sne- we'll, we'll get into favorite least favorite moves. This is by no means my favorite move. But I think that I think Spencer did what he's gonna shake up things in Washington. I've always really liked Spencer. I think I he's gonna like be Spencer. good for that team. They're not they're gonna be like a playing team or like playing cusp at least. I just well, feel like that, Bradley Beal is gonna be miserable by like week three. But like who the hell he's gonna get moved in the middle next year for sure. Right. And if Bradley Beal's moved, I don't see them making it anywhere. Well, this whole thing, like the whole Westbrook trade, <laughs> screams to me of like when you're playing fantasy football and instead of like <laughs> And, and yeah. someone poses with you for a trade of like one good player with like three of their bench players. So be like, yeah, I'll give you Latavius Murray, Ted Ginn, and Devin Funches for Travis Kelsey. They all it's have like, a good outlook. They could be yeah, good. it's just like, oh, yeah. okay. Like the, the, the Wizards are just like, yeah, we'll take all your garbage, I guess. Like for what's the it really was a trade for garbage. <laughs> like I think if I think the Lakers, one way or another, we're gonna get rid of Kuzma and and Contavious Caldwell Pope. And Trez, right? They were going to get rid of those guys because they couldn't afford to pay them. They weren't a part of the bigger picture. And if you had to get rid of those three guys and you weren't going to get Damian Lillard, I feel like the next best thing you could do is get Russell Westbrook. It didn't make sense to me at first for the Lakers, but I feel like it's actually, if they had to improve and none of the other point guards would go on the market, good for them. Oh, so, so you like you like the trade? I feel like it's a trade that had to be done. I'm, it, I feel like Mike Conley signed his deal again with with the Jazz pretty quickly. Lowry always seemed like he was going to either Miami or Philly. It seemed like he was going to the West. Except last season, the trade line, he there it looked like for a while he was going to LA, but I'd never heard any rumors of him going to LA like during this offseason. So I mean good for them because they had to try to get a leg up in the West and really capitalize on LeBron's window. So it's a move they had to do. Is it the best move? I don't think so at all. I think it's better for Russell Westbrook than it is for the Lakers, honestly. Yeah, I kind of agree with your opinion too, John, that like, I don't know what else they were going to do. So like, if I'm LeBron, I'm just like, well, you know what, if I'm, if I can, I'm LeBron, I can make anything work and let's just try and get Westbrook, see what happens. At the very worst, I kind of like the the narrative that like Russell Westbrook can kind of carry the team through through the regular season and then LeBron can just take over and be LeBron in the playoffs. Like maybe that works. Maybe that's what they're going for. I don't know. See, I think I would have been much more keen on the trade if it was the only one I've heard. But I really do think, like, like literally 10 minutes before this Westbrook trade came into fruition, we everybody thought that all those pieces they shipped off for Westbrook were just going sent to Sacramento for Kyle for uh, Buddy Heald. Right. And, oh, yeah. I don't right. know. Like, to me, I would much rather have run it back with the Schroeder and Buddy Heald backcourt. And you have Schroeder, Buddy Heald, yeah. LeBron, AD, and Gasol out there than having Westbrook. I don't know. To me, 
that seems like that opens up that offense a lot more and gives them a lot more options. This seems like it may become like very dangerous and I don't know how well it's going to work. I, I do understand the point of uh, Russell Westbrook can kind of just win them a bunch of meaningless, like regular season games. And then LeBron can just yeah. take over in the playoffs. And I, I do agree with that. So I think in order for this team to work, they're, they're going to have to play Davis at center a lot more, which he's always been kind of a loser about. So they I really got to make sure that he actually goes out and plays center the whole season. I've always stood by that he should be a center. And if he sacks up and actually plays center, I could see it working. But if not, it will be a catastrophe. Because otherwise, the, the pain is just going to get clogged if you have LeBron, Westbrook, Davis, and like Marcus Saul Dwight Howard. Like, yeah, what's, no one's the best starting what's the best They're starting five for the Lakers right now if you guys had to throw out a starting five for them? It's with LeBron at the four and AD at the five for sure. Mm-hmm. Then you probably, whoever their best two shooters are, the two and three with Westbrook and the one. <laughs> Mellow. Who are I their best probably. shooters is what I'm saying. Like, like it's probably Mellow. Mello, probably Mellow like. At the three? <laughs> When's the last time he played the three in New York? Definitely. Yeah, that's 2013. <laughs> well, I guess Terrifying. you could technically, I guess, put LeBron in the three and Mellow at the four. What about, gonna... what about Malik Monk? I like Malik Monk. Yeah. I like Malik Monk too. And oh, they have Kendrick Nunn. I forgot that that league is not a bad signing. I thought I mean like he had a bad year last year, but wasn't he like almost the rookie of the year his first season? Like he's a, he could be a really great point guard to give them some space and just to kind of get Russell some minutes to chill out. I'm excited also, for it just to see what happens. I feel like there's not going to be a more dramatic team next year. I feel like there's a, a lot of good chances that this team like does not like each other because there's a there's a way where LeBron and Russell, like, hit it off. I feel like they actually have pretty similar personalities. And I feel like Davis is not going to like that. He did not come to L.A. to play, like, third fiddle. <laughs> he's he's going to get Woody from Toy Story. <laughs> yeah. What's going on? Are we really doing this? <laughs> he was supposed to be there. He's going to be like uh, Fredo from Godfather. He's like, I can do things. I, yeah. I'm smart. I'm smart. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I – I don't know, like, how I feel about the rest of the team, though. Like, it, it really is a joke. They just brought, like, all of LeBron's, like, old friends. Like, yeah. Dwight Howard, Mello, Trevor Ariza. Like, this is, like, Wayne the, Ellington. The team of, <laughs> of 2012, this team would rock. Marcus Gasol is the back. It's really crazy. I'm getting some vibes of, like, Steve Nash, Dwight Howard team. The funny thing is – the funny thing is, I'm like still pretty sure they're gonna win the West next year. If yeah. nobody gets injured, like I feel, I'm pretty confident in that. Yeah, LeBron will find a way for sure. He's gonna be 36 this start next year, though. Like, at what point is his body gonna break down a little bit? I we've been saying this for at least the last five or six years. Once he got into his 30s, and he's in that time won two championships. But you gotta think at some point, and especially after last season when he started to sustain some like serious injuries for the first time. He's got a load manager this year, right? That, yeah, that, that, I think that's the Westbrook theory. They'll, yeah. they'll rest yeah. LeBron a bunch and just let LeBron uh, let Westbrook do his Westbrook things and win regular season games. Tucker himself out. It's like when you have yeah. like a like a crazy yeah. infant. They're just like, oh, we'll put, play him forty two minutes. Just let him tire. <laughs> just let him run around till he gets tired. Yeah. <laughs> He's got a sugar rush. Yeah, exactly. He that's been be Westbrook his whole career. Yeah, I think Russell won the Russell won the trade, but the Lakers can end up losing it. Good for him to title chase. Good for him to be in a better situation than Washington. I love him as a person. I love his game. I just am very curious to see how this goes. I'm a lot of people on Twitter and around you know surrounding basketball are saying 
look at the Lakers. They're a super team. They have a big four. They're stacked. I just don't have that kind of confidence in them. I'm not really super afraid of them. I feel like if they face the Nets, the Nets could win this in five. Yeah, I, I still think the Nets are the favorite for sure. Me too, especially because the Nets got better. Like, I like all their stuff. They made yeah. such great free agency signings. I can't believe it. The Patty fact Mills. that they, they got, really they got Patty, Patty Mills, Mills. Th- that's like a, a big bummer. I'm going to be honest. Like, Patty Mills is going to be like a spark plug off the bench for them. He's not going to have to start. He'll just yeah. come off the bench. He'll play like 15, 20 minutes a game. And so he'll good get, defense. He'll get like 14 or 15 points. Like, it's, yeah. it's a bummer. It's really not what you want as like a, a fan of every team that isn't the Brooklyn Nets. But yeah, <laughs> no. I'm good on them. I, I don't know. I, I really don't see how they, how they lose. <laughs> I, just hope, now, I mean, I don't want to say hope for injuries, but that, I mean, that is the possibility is just they're injury prone. Do they get injured? Like that's the question. Like, hope for, we, hope, we hope for injuries, but we also hope for just absolute like disillusion. Cause I, I feel like maybe I'm being too optimistic about this, but maybe we've been disillusioned all this time, all this time with the Nets because how often have we really seen Patty Mills just hanging out at the Barclays Center? He's like, all right, all right, you can go. I'll take it. <laughs> all right. All right. See yourself. I, I would I'll be surprised if he somehow like, convinces Kyrie to quit. He's like, this is my team now. <laughs> you can go play in the NBL. <laughs> Big fan of that. I feel like the other huge blockbuster team to talk about past Lowry to the Heat and Russ, the Lakers, we have to think about what's going on in the Windy City. How optimistic are we for this Bulls team going into this year? Uh, I can speak for myself as a soon-to-be league pass owner. I am incredibly excited. This team seems like a ton of fun. And yeah. they're really young, and they can't defend at all, but they can score in a lot which is going yeah. to be great to watch. And Lonzo running that offense now and letting Zach Levine play off the ball, it's going to be really interesting to just watch them fly around. It's going to be so much fun, like you said. And I'm just so excited to see Zach Levine take that leap. I know he's going to make. I, well, I, what's funny is they got – they have the, the original Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan. That was the other guy who, before yeah. Zach Levine, I was just – I was like, I've never really been quite sold on this guy. And now they have both of them on the team, so they can both take the leap together and just spin them in the face. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think like, they made I, a really significant like upgrade. For yeah, sure. I really like it. I, I don't I, think they're – I think they, it reminds me of sometimes at times what I wish the Knicks would do, if that makes sense, where I feel like this isn't necessarily getting them right into the finals. But what's yeah. almost better than that is I think it's going to be a culture change for Chicago. I feel like people are going to want to come play with them now. I feel like they're definitely going to at least get a playoff berth of, of some sort. And for a team that's been outside the playoffs for so long, I kind of like that they're just picking up enough pieces just to get in the playoffs and show that they are relevant again. Yeah, I actually like that you compared it to a next like, type of idea, John. It's a perception I mean, play. Yeah, because, I mean, think about it, too. The two of the guys, we were like, oh, we could just fill out our roster with Lonzo and DeMar and, like, compete for a, like, two or three seed and then lose in the second yeah. round. But, like, Luckily, we didn't do that this year. And I feel like that's kind of what the Bulls are going for. And it's important for their culture change. But I can't yeah. see them making it past, like, a four seed. Like, the Heat are way better than them still. And no, I don't absolutely. think they're going to be going anywhere in the playoffs. I, I think it – echoing your guys' point, I think it's exactly like the Knicks, where it's – they're just going to – got all these young guys here. They're going to let them try and develop and see if this works. And if not, 
they all these guys are good enough where they could move them for a big superstar who wants out at right. some point. So like, and Chicago's a big enough market where you could, it, this could be a big sell to free agents. So like, yeah. maybe in like a year or two, if Beal or Lillard are like, I want out of here, Chicago can pitch itself to be in the perfect spot to land a, a marquee exactly. free agent. Yeah. You can only dip down to the draft so much. I feel like we've seen that kind of bite teams in the ass for a long time. Like the process flat out kind of didn't work that much besides Joel Embiid. And they just for like five or six years just got a bunch of guys that kind of busted. So at some point you have to kind of rethink it. Like, you know what? Maybe instead of just like being a crappy team and getting like lottery picks, maybe let's just get more relevant again. And I like it for them. I think um, they're going to really be pushing for like that seventh seed. I, I actually think they're above the plane at this point. I feel like they're like where the Celtics landed last year. Yeah, I'd and, put them in like the Celtics, Knicks, like maybe like maybe Toronto is in that area. Yeah. Not, yeah. Like they're like pretty good, still a tier below like Philly, Miami, and Brooklyn and Milwaukee, obviously. But they're yeah. not, not going to win a title, but I think they can win a playoff series. I don't want to play them the regular season too much next year. You know, no. we're all fans of Eastern Conference teams. I'm going to kind of – I'm looking forward to it because it'll be fun, but I'm pretty nervous to play the Bulls, which is a weird thing. And speaking as a Knicks fan, it's like something we got to experience last year. It's just we got to fall in love with the team again, and that's something we haven't been able to do in so long and probably the same for the Bulls. And now, like, they'll be good. They'll be competing every night. And then this just gives Bulls fans something to look forward to every single night. People are going to buy back in finally believe in the team again. Yeah. So just such, like you said, a good culture change. So when the Bulls fans are rocking, people will be like, oh, my God, I, it would be so fun to go play there again. Yeah. They're definitely – the Chicago Bulls were definitely my big winner of the free agency market. And it's funny because mentioning Lonzo, we can go to the big losers being the New Orleans Pelicans. Yeah, like, well, I'm, I'm glad you said that. They, I, I, I had that for, like, my little homework for tonight. They're without a doubt the team that lost – they just they, they just don't seem like they know what they're doing at all. Like David Griffin aspect, made like yeah, trades free agency, nothing seems to make sense. <laughs> David Griffin, I think, is the most overrated GM in the world. It seems like he just made every single horrible decision in the world. And it's gonna cost them Zion if they don't if they're not careful. This has been very dangerous. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. You guys saw those reports of Brandon Ingram and Zion. They gave all these interviews being like Lonzo is like a dog. Like he comes in every day yeah. and he works really hard. He's really smart. It, it seems like they love playing with Lonzo. And they love hanging out with Lonzo. So the fact that they didn't even try to keep him, and not only did they not try to keep him, they they get rid of him for just like Garrett Temple and like yeah, some really other bad. like really lame player. It's like like the whole thing seems kind of silly to me. And, I Devonte Graham. Well, right. That's what I was saying, not only that. Graham. They, I like Devontae Graham, but, like, you traded a first-round pick and paid Devontae Graham, like, $50 million when you could have just had Lonzo and, like, re-signed him as a restricted yeah. free agent. It doesn't really make any sense. And that, that doesn't even mention the trade that we were, like, discussing the last podcast, which didn't really make any sense. Nothing they seem like – it doesn't seem like they know what they're doing. It's, it's really a disaster. And the fact that if you're going to spit in the face of Brandon Ingram and Zion like that – like, don't be surprised when they both leave and ask out. And the thing is, is when they both go to, like, New York or Chicago, like, bigger markets, everyone's going to complain. Oh, like, <laughs> the smaller markets can't keep any of their stars. And it's like, well, it's none of these guys' fault that the New Orleans Pelicans are one of the dumbest organizations in sports. 
And you know what? That's not something I'm going to complain about. Zion to New York 2023. Get it started. Yeah, I'm, I'm already here for it. It's happening. <laughs> He's it's going already to go gonna somewhere. Happen. He's going to New York. Honestly, I'm, I'm, most, I'm most upset as an NBA fan who just loves to watch the national games. We're going to get so many Pelicans games with just, like, these boring players on it besides Ingram and Zion. Like, they, I should be a Pelicans fan. I should be looking forward to them as a fun team. Like, I want to get league pass for. I don't want to watch – like uh, Valanciunas on that team, I'm like I'm very over it. I only like Nikhil Alexander Walker. I don't even know if you guys know him, but I love him. That's it. I like Jackson Hayes. Hope he's okay. <laughs> Hope he's okay. <laughs> he's good. He's been going through a lot. Uh, but how, about, how about how about speaking of our New York Knicks? We I feel like it would be a disservice not to talk about them on this pod because they had some of. the the moves, well, one move that I thought was probably the most interesting in free agency with Kemba Walker when he just instantly got bought out and then appeared on the New York Knicks. And it was like, yeah. I woke up and it <laughs> all went down, never heard anything of it. And I was like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing ever. It's a, it's amazing. Because I actually, I we'll talk about Kemba first before anything else. I just feel like it's a win-win because even if he's not like Charlotte Kemba or even like at the heights of Boston Kemba when he was like pretty – pretty good at moments this first year. I just feel like he's going to be replacing Alfred Payton's minutes. And how great is it to replace him with someone like Kemba Walker? It's and, fantastic. And we don't have to worry about his knees or health anyway. If he needs a rest or whatnot, then we got Derrick Rose. We have a bunch of point guard depth we can actually IQ, play. Yeah. And that's the other thing, too. And it, it makes, honestly, the rest of everything the Knicks did make sense. Because when you add a guy like Kemba Walker – it is that scoring punch that we so desperately needed alongside Julius yeah. Randle all year last year. And we got it from Rose in the playoffs, but we can't rely on that. And I thought we were going to have to after the first batch of free agents signed. I was like, oh my God, Derek Rose is probably going to be our starting point guard. And I just didn't think that would hold up all season. But getting Kemba literally out of nowhere was probably one of my favorite moves of the whole thing. And transitioning that to Evan Fournier, it made it, make that move more sense because I don't know if I like that at first. I feel like Evan Fournier now has a lot of pressure off of him with Kemba coming in, right? He's not going to be needing the ball as much. My favorite right. moments of seeing Fournier play, Fournier to me, my biggest Fournier memories aren't with the Celtics in that brief stint. They might be with you, Riley, but my biggest Fournier memories are for like those two couple years in a row where the Magic were just the eighth seed, but they took one from the Raptors. They took one from uh, – they took one off of the box and people like are the magic going to upset these number one seeds they never did but i feel like fournier like in the playoffs couldn't be an amazing three-point shooter just like kind of stand in his spot off the perimeter and just like be so consistent there and that's something we desperately need it's just a consistent spot up shooter so it's really going to complement rj randall quickly these other guys that i really love on this team we need to turn it over to local fournier and Kemba expert riley for his analysis here my well, my only I'll say my only good Fournier memory was when he called Kevin Durant a bitch in the playoffs <laughs> this year. That, that was, was that was the best part. Um, I mean, we I love that yeah, storyline. Like, wait, storyline coming full circle in the Olympic basketball finals. <laughs> oh my god! Could you imagine if in wow. the Olympics he called, <laughs> he called him a bitch? That'd be awesome. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I wish I could say like I'm more upset that they're missing him because he, I mean, he definitely makes the team better having him on, but. I'm at the same time I'm happy they didn't pay him like the contract. It's not a bad deal for for the Knicks. Like don't get me wrong, but right. I wouldn't really want like that kind of money tied into uh his his uh his performance when they have to pay thirty million to Tatum and twenty million to Jalen Brown. 
around. And then the Kemba Walker deal is a huge win-win for me because now he's going to a team I like and can root for. But I also don't have to deal with the fact that all of my like my fan fan pressure is going to be on like both loving him as a player while also have to defending when he plays poorly. Like I have to, I had to be there and like fall on my sword for Kemba Walker when he was like playing not so great this year, be, just because I have to defend him because he's one of my all time favorite players. <laughs> now I don't have to do that. Now I can just be like, yeah, like he didn't have it today. It's all right. And I, I think this is really good for him because. He's not going to be put in pressure. He's like as good as the Knicks are. Like they're fun and everything. There isn't pressure for them right now to win a title right. like there was the last couple of years in Boston. Like I think we can all kind of agree on that. Absolutely so sure. this is a lot less pressure on him. To he can just go out and perform under yeah. the big lights of MSG. The crowd will love him when he makes big shots. But they're not going to be as mad at him if he starts like whiffing, which is going to be a blast right. to watch. I, he's. I can't wait. I can't wait to get a jersey. I'm all in on for Kemba. Hopefully, here. he feels like he did when he was in Charlotte, but just with better players. Because again, I don't think he ever had any like serious playoff hope in Charlotte. But now he's with a team that's really just trying to raise perception again. Like hopefully, like win a playoff series instead of just going there. So the pressure is kind of off for the Knicks a little bit, and the pressure's off for Kemba. I think he's by every game I've seen him in, he's not too much of a ball-dominant point guard. He likes to move it around, and that's going to work really well for the team. Uh, just seems like a great guy. But by asking you all these Kemba questions, I feel like you just sold Steve and I a car. And we're like, does it run well? <laughs> Do you like it? Oh, well, I'm, I'm happy to the, have the, you on. The, good, the best part about it is having Kemba Walker and uh, Derek Rose. They're just like two guys who like used to be really good, and now we're like, all right, and – they both have knee injuries and can't play a full season. And so Tibbs can just one run one into the ground and be like, all right, who's up next? Derek Rose, get in here. <laughs> What's yeah, then, we have, then we have quickly right there, too, if we need – like, if they both the, die. When, they, when they both – yeah, when they both yeah. explode. When Kevin Walker, like, tw- 25 games in, it's like, coach, I cannot run anymore. Like, I'm exhausted. <laughs> He's like, all right, Derek, get in there. <laughs> the Knicks cracked me up. I think t- Tibbs – what, we don't we don't make big enough of a deal about our boy Tom being coach of the year. I think uh, this this team is really going to fall on its defense. I I don't think Fournier has been too much of a defensive stopper in his career, so that's a little concerning to me. We're losing Reggie Bullock's um, defense, but you gotta I gotta put that aside. We're getting a much better player out of Fournier. I don't love his contract. I don't know about you you guys. I think it's pretty steep, but again. I feel like it's a position where what else are we going to do? We clearly were not in the running for DeMar. Um, I like paying 48, oddly enough, more than paying Schroeder. I feel like Schroeder's kind of a ball stopper, so I'm happy. Well, yeah, and I, I think he could gel with the team nicely. Well, and the big thing that everybody says is you pay Fournier that money because now he can be he can be a salary match and a piece to move if, let's say, Zion – next year is like dude i'm out of here like screw this like yeah. fournier can give you like that salary match or if lillard for example is like i want to go play for the knicks could be bill fournier can you can use his salary to get closer to the bottom line and he's still a good enough player where it like he can work and create some depth so i think it's it's a pretty it's not a horrible signing is it like it felt just because I wouldn't want my team to do it, but right, I, I think it makes sense for what the Knicks are doing, and I yeah. think also extending Julius Randle was a pretty pretty big move too. On a that good is, deal, we didn't yeah, overpay. That's something that we I thought we had to talk about because 
I agree completely with both of you. Like, it was honestly a mutual thing, I think, because we didn't have to overpay, but Julius was like, you know what? Like, I believe in this. I believe in what this team is doing. Like, I'll commit now. I, I know I might be able to make a lot more money next year, but you know what? I'll give this team flexibility. I'll give this team a chance yeah. to build around me even more. And I think it was either A, noble of him, and I'm very excited that it happened, or B, he doesn't really believe in himself that he might have a better season, in, and which is a little <laughs> scary to me, but I'm going to choose to believe. Point I, I think by all means, like t- based on interviews and the kind of guy he is, like getting to know him better these past couple of years, I think he's just trying to help the team out. He's a pretty confident guy. If, if he – could you imagine <laughs> how like – low self-esteem he must have as an NBA player to be like, I'm going to take a lower contract because I might not be that good. Well, I could, like, I could seriously Ugh. picture I'm not Lowly saying it's true, but I could just see picture a scenario where like his agent went up to him and was like, hey, Drew, listen, you and I both know <laughs> you're never going to be that good ever again. This is your time. And Drew's like, Damn, you're right. oh, man, I don't know. Like, maybe I could do it. He's like, Julius, you got to sign that contract. Be realistic. <laughs> Yeah, listen, betting on yourself doesn't always work. What could happen with Schroeder? Yeah, <laughs> Schroeder turned out his big extension last year. He's like, nah, man, I, I'm going for the super max. And then played so poorly that they're like, yeah, you're not even getting like the first deal. Yeah. I can't believe no one's offered him anything. I mean, yeah, I don't really know. He's like the only big name left who hasn't moved, right? Schroeder. He's going to go somewhere. I think he's unsigned right now. So. It's going to be interesting. I really thought for a while that we were in the Schroeder sweepstakes, but I'm kind of happy we're not. I don't think he fits well with this guard setup that we have now. Even before we had Kemba, a three-guard rotation of Schroeder, IQ, and Rose would have been really weird. I I think he'll land himself maybe like just, you know, on the other side of Staples Center, maybe with the Clippers after they get rid of Reggie. Reggie's another one that hasn't landed anywhere else yet. Maybe he just gets re-signed by the Clippers. I like a lot of teams – kind of betting on themselves and we're debating if Julius is a guy who did that but I think a lot of teams going into this next year are just hoping that they get better I know the Knicks are the Hawks are like the Bulls are just hoping that Levine gets better it's going to be an interesting season because it's exciting to root for your favorite team when you're just like well I hope our young guys just improve I know you're probably doing the same with Tatum and Brown like what else can the Celtics really do besides just hope that these two amazing players get even better well I mean the Celtics I mean, are the other big loser from this uh, this whole thing, if I'm being honest, because they, they lost Fournier. I mean, again, they didn't want to re-sign him, but that's an easy asset that they lost. And they didn't even try to get anybody anybody at, of the big names. They they traded away Tristan yeah. Thompson, obviously, which is good. And they got Josh Richardson, who I'm, I'm happy for. But this roster is not anywhere near done. Like we, There needs to be some moves that are made to move things around. The only big free agent we've – Signed is Ennis Cantor. He just like, he that guy back. loves going back and forth between Portland and Boston. <laughs> just he just keep forever. One, he's he's on a, a one way flight from JetBlue. He flies every like nine months back from Portland. I think Portland it's hilarious. In, South, in he's Boston. done two stints with both now. He's just like hopefully he just has his his home already set up for him in Portland. And like in the middle of the season, like you know what, go back to Portland, Ennis. And I'm, I don't know, like, what they're doing. I really feel like that they're just kind of waiting to see if Bradley Beal becomes available, like, before the season starts. Which is a big if. I Does anyone have any pulse on what he's leaning towards? I can't get a read on Bradley Beal. Not that I yeah, would my, ever talk, talk to yeah, him. but My sources have been kind of dry. <laughs> I, I haven't really heard anything a lot. But I don't know. I feel like at this point Bradley Beal is just going to stay. I Like, I think he, he just may retire a wizard. Like, I'd, I wouldn't even be surprised. 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I and besides that, any other big signings? I'm trying to think. Um, I don't think that's for like the blockbuster ones. Yeah, those are the bigger ones. I mean, there's there's some other teams that I kind of like what they did. Like I think I think Golden State made some nice free agency moves and pairs well mm-hmm. with what they did in the draft. Like Otto Porter, I think was a great signing. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else I can think. There's of. been a lot of big. There was a lot of big just re-signings. Like Utah kept Conley. I really thought John Collins was going to walk away from Atlanta, but they threw the bag at him, and that's smart. We really ate our words on Atlanta on this podcast, and what turned us around on loving them, besides Trey Young just becoming an amazing point guard, one of the best in the league, is John Collins Like finally became the player that we thought he would be. He was a huge part of their deep playoff run, so good for them for throwing the bag at John Collins. I like Collins a lot. It, then there was, there's also the two massive deals, too. We, I feel like kind of have to be mentioned was Chris Paul, obviously, returning to Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Um, a massive, massive contract. And yeah. and then there was uh, the contract extension for Steph Curry, who's going to be pay, getting paid like $60 million, I think it is. Or I something. think he's, he's yeah. earned the most money playing basketball. Yeah. Then I think he's like still like behind LeBron, but I, I've been seeing all week he's the only player to sign multiple $200 million extensions. It's insane. Yeah. But how can you not do it for him? Yeah, well, right. I mean, that, that's like I was going to say. That one is totally worth it because Steph Curry's still one of, like, the five best players in the NBA. Right. So, like, you're going to sign that. And then the Chris Paul one, I think, is exactly like the Jimmy Butler contract. It's, like, probably not a great deal, but, like, you're not going to not do it, right? Like, you're yeah. just going to have yeah. to pay him that. Like, like when you're either going to, like, drastically overpay – or they're just gonna leave, but it's like you you got to have them on your team. Like you have to. Yeah. And I think the there, was, there was very too. small rumors of Chris Paul to the Pelicans, but he did not go through with it. Yeah, he's I'm, he's like, why do I want to go to the Pelicans? Everyone there sucks. I hate yeah. it. Everyone hates it there. Well, Mon- and he loves Monty. <laughs> That's a huge part of it. Again, like I don't know. Like this, not to be like the eternal optimist, but yeah, they blew a two-zero lead in the finals, but. They really outperformed, and, like, they have a really good chance of running it back in the West this upcoming year. So, good for them for bringing it back. Yeah, we said it all pod. It was oh, – Chris Paul has to go back there. And we didn't know it would be this expensive. But, again, like you said, what are they going to do? What is Utah going to do other than bring back Conley? It's something they kind of had to do. They couldn't sign anyone else. Yeah. Steph Curry, you're not going to let him go. And I think out of all of them, I like the Steph Curry one the best, not just because I'm biased. But, like, when he's 37, that guy's still going to be able to shoot. That's not going to change. Like, you see yeah. – a lot of these guys who get older and then become shooters, Steph could just chill in the corner and shoot threes for 20 minutes a game, average 15 points. Like, he'll be way overpaid for it, but Golden State I, I think so he long. may play until, like, his early 40s. I really do. I was, was going to say, age 39, Steph Curry would probably get serious minutes on the Milwaukee Bucks finals oh, yeah, team absolutely. that was just there. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. He's going to be around for a long time. The only, like, uh, re-signing that I'm not a huge fan of is Jared Allen. I don't know what the Cavaliers are doing. I actually really thought Sexton was in a move. I feel like we were talking about Sexton to the Knicks for a long time. Again, maybe I'm just saying because it's over. Happy that didn't happen. But the Cavs team is just getting bizarre because they just got a they got Mobley right. He's a center too. I I don't know what they're thinking with just giving Jared Allen, who we really haven't seen play too much, this huge contract. I think they're all both going to be able to play together, Mobley and Allen. But I yeah, I'm I'm iffy washy kind of with you there. I don't know if it was the best deal, but, I mean, Jared Allen has potential, so I see what they see in him. I've seen a lot of highlight plays from that kid, and I think the Nets were stupid to get rid of him. But $100 million for Jared Allen, who knows if that's going to be smart. It could look good. It could look bad. 
But if he works with Mobley, that would be a scary front court. Yeah, I was going to say. And I still like the rest of their team. Like, you could probably get – got Larry Nance, Sexton, and Garland. Like, that's, like, a pretty good starting five, honestly. Like, they make they the playoffs. They do. No, they still don't, they still don't make the playoffs. But yeah. they're still they're – still, One day. They're, they're interesting. They're, yeah, they're, they're going to be, like, the – the Hornets, like oh maybe yeah. maybe one day, yeah. Hey, maybe one day they'll be like the Bulls. Yeah, exactly. That, that, that's knows? what everybody dreams is to be the Bulls one day. Just be the Bulls. Just get your your good long two shooter, Demar Derozan. Happy for him. Um, so we've talked about all the big blockbuster ones. We talked about the re-signings. Before we move on from this off season, do you guys have a favorite and least favorite kind of under the radar move? Uh, I can go first here, and I'm, I'm going to stay with a team that we haven't talked about at all for both of these. Um, I threw this in our group chat the second it happened for my least favorite. When the Spurs gave a $44 million contract to Doug McDermott, as someone who's seen <laughs> a ton of, ton of Dun- Doug McDermott games. Doug McBuckets. Like, dude, and I guess we haven't talked about these guys. When the Knicks signed Noel, Alec Burks, all for like two years, 30 mil. Or but 20 they had a good season. I'm, I'm okay yeah. with that. And like I was iffy on them. But then like I see Doug McBuckets getting 40 million. I'm like, okay, like I'm cool with what we just did. That's fine. Three for 30 is fine. Yeah. Like, I'll, In this I'll day and age. Yeah. Um, but I just thought like, come on. like, And a team like the Spurs, what is he even like accomplishing? They have Devin Vassell there who hasn't played, who they need to develop. Lonnie Walker, all these young guys ahead of all the, uh, behind all the young guys they have starting. And I just don't think it makes any sense. Um, but staying with the Spurs for one of my favorite under the radar signings, and you guys can laugh at me all you want because I'm going to bring up the NBL again. They signed uh, my guy, Jack Jock Landell out of the NBL. And this is a guy you probably haven't heard his name before. Probably didn't even notice he got signed. I haven't. I definitely haven't. Yeah, but so he he is the best player in the NBL. He was the best player in the NBL last year, and he played for Australia. He started. He started for Australia. If you watch any of the game, he was the wow. starting four. Um, he honestly has probably the most potential of anyone I've seen in the NBL besides wow. the ball. And I say that even with Josh Giddy having played here. He's older, so he isn't going to, like, become some superstar. But I think, like, again, like I brought up Jay Sean Tate earlier. It's like a similar vein where this guy is exactly – he knows how basketball works. He's been playing professionally his whole career. And I just think he's going to fit in at the four for them and take DeMar – remember DeMar DeRozan started at the four for them, which is crazy. But I think he takes Very a small ball. And, and even if he doesn't start right away, when they start to suck, I figure he's going to get a lot of playing time. But I also came up with a quick name of somebody you guys would know. Uh, I wanted to say um, Jeff Green for the Denver Nuggets. Yeah, I thought, that was I on my that list. A, yeah, I think he was a really good. That was my favorite under the radar for sure. Yeah, he he is just he's a winning player wherever he goes. He wins, yeah, and I just I like think I think he comes to their bench and provides a scoring spark off the bench. And if anybody gets hurt, he provides value there. Like he can play the four. He could play the five if Jokic is on the bench. He's much better than Paul Millsap is now. Like, he's going to be a very valuable piece to them. And if Jamal Murray ever comes back by the end of the year, I think he could play a pivotal role in the postseason. Jeff Green is, like, the definitive role player. He, he just, like, bolsters anybody's bench he's on. No, I, I think that's definitely a good move for them. The My my negative one is, is going back to the Spurs, which is <laughs> the, the big the – big, $20 million contract they gave Zach Collins, who in three oh, seasons has played 12 NBA games. Oh, who even is he? 
Why were Zach people Col- hot on him for a long time? I remember before he kept getting injured all the time, people were like, this guy's really going to be a difference maker. What What was the big part of his game? Does anyone remember? He was, I mean, well, he, he, he just could back the center. Floor. Yeah, he could space the four as a center. That's about it. Oh. The, the Blazers kind of had future plans of him to play alongside Nurkic, but that never seemed to happen. And it's funny he brought that up because I guess him and Jock Landau will be battling for those four minutes. Yeah. <laughs> that could, that's a fun storyline. There you uh, go. Who teams to watch play out. Now, that's definitely a weird one. Um, for my least favorite, I went with one that didn't make a lot of sense for me for a lot of reasons, for chemistry and just for the team. I really didn't like Andre Drummond to Philly. Yeah, that I, doesn't make much sense, does it? That one just kind of is funny to me because the two of them hate each other. Like, like really hate each other, yeah. So it, it, it's just funny that they have to share a locker room. <laughs> and it's just like, I, I get it. It makes sense for a guy to like sign a guy like Dwight Howard to back up Embiid, but like, doesn't Drummond isn't he gonna want minutes? Like, I don't, I don't it's get really what he's for it. That's actually a really good one you brought up. I didn't think yeah, about that. I forgot about it. Yeah, I, I don't know. It, yeah, I completely agree. Like, they're just gonna try to fill him into that Dwight Howard role, and I, I still feel like Andre Drummond may be able to produce a little bit better than Dwight Howard. He may be, I think he's a, a better backup setter than like. He, he's the best backup center in the league, right? Like, he's he's like it's a still starting caliber center. Um, yeah, it's a weird thing for him. At the same time, you're going to play Joel Embiid all the – like, the, pretty much the entire game. Like, it seems like kind of a waste. I don't know. It's a waste for Andre. I feel like he's not – he's going to be in his low 30s maybe at the at the oldest, maybe not even. Like, I feel like he needs to put himself in a better situation. Let's get in touch with him. Like, don't do this to yourself. You're not going to get any time in Philly, man. Don't like it. Yeah, that, that's definitely a weird one. And did we uh, did we want to talk about teams that one? I know we talked about the Pelicans being overall losers. Did you guys have a favorite team to come out of this? Yeah, just the Bulls for me. Yeah, we've kind of been all over the place talking about that. I think the Bulls are definitely a winner. Like I, th- I said earlier, I think the Warriors are a big winner. We haven't really broken down big time because there's nothing huge to break down. But they don't have they didn't have a lot of cap and did good. I thought. Um, I definitely think uh, the Spurs are just a loser. I don't know what they were doing. Uh, as, yeah, we, all, as we mentioned, two of our least favorite signings are from their team. I'd say Miami's a winner. Uh, for I like Atlanta a lot, just for bringing back John. I like yeah, a lot of those guys are staying. I'd be willing to say, uh, I guess I'd want to say um, Phoenix is a winner just because we said they needed to sign Chris Ball back, and they did. Same thing kind of goes for Utah. They got JaVale McGee. Yeah, uh, and we said they needed to get a backup center. That was going to be – that honestly should have been one of our favorite under-the-radar moves because yeah. that's going to be massive for him. And, I mean, we could shit on JaVale McGee all we want, but he is a championship-caliber player, and he will play big minutes, I'm sure, backing up Aiton. Much better than Frank Kaminsky, that's for sure. I think JaVale mm-hmm. will have more rings than Chris Paul will ever have at this point in both their careers. <laughs> Yeah, without a doubt, I, definitely. I, I, I want to give it. I think uh, something we haven't talked about at all was kind of what Utah did. Guys, I just think both Eric and Rudy Gay fit really well for that team. Just they really made their wins off of bench players this year. They're going to be two great bench players. Uh yeah, absolutely. Um, I really, I can't really think of anything else. Um, in terms of winners and losers, I don't know if you have any, Riley. No, yeah, I think. I think we, we touched upon pretty much everything. It's good. I mean, and we're, if we're going to pivot just to kind of cover the third pillar of the offseason is the draft. So we got to preview it, but 
just to kind of come full circle, does anyone have any major prevailing winners of the draft? They're just to keep talking about winners. Uh, I, um, I think I could speak yeah, for. Know. I was just gonna say. I think I speak for everybody when I say I think the Orlando Magic are the big winners here. The yeah, Orlando Magic had a really good draft for sure. The, the infamous uh, drafting of the Orlando Magic has always been that they're like one pick short of like all the players that matter. Like they're always yeah. just like right out of there, and that, and that was the bigger big bummer for this draft was that we everyone decided, all right, this is a four player draft, right? This is the uh, this is Cunningham, Green, Mobley, and Suggs, and then after that, there's a little bit of a drop off. Well, I mean, like, we like Scotty Barnes, some of us, but everyone kind of see that that was silly. Um, but it's crazy that the Raptors end up taking Scotty Barnes at four. And so Jalen Suggs fell to the end of Magic at five, and they got one of these guys who's probably going to be like a borderline all star and have like a really long career. And they didn't have to do anything. They finally got like a good franchise caliber guy, and it's taking them forever. And I, I just, I can't, I can't think what the the Raptors were thinking passing on Jalen Suggs. It seemed like such a perfect fit, and just such a break that Orlando never has, like you said. And it's something that you just – I think they're going to look back and be like, what were we thinking? We had, a, like, a vacancy the, at point Yeah, guard. the only prevailing thought is that they were, like, too happy with what they have, which is kind of absurd because I think they're actually about to go into panic mode, like, losing Lowry, a lot of these guys that are pretty close to rebuilding. What a great move to rebuild with with Suggs. But I think they actually got in their heads. They're like, no, wait, they like Fred Van Fleet. Like, in the backcourt, we have Siakam. We have these guys that need the ball. We don't need another, like, guy who, like, needs to play with the ball in his hands. But I feel like Suggs could have worked really well with the team. He's a big team guy. That's, like, I feel like that's what Gonzaga was huge for, was, like, playing as a team. He would have fit well in that system. But I think, if anything, they just got way too in their heads about it. Yeah, definitely. And the other thing, movies, Orlando Magic, they got Franz Wagner in their in the picks in their picks as well. And he's another great guy who I think contributed right from the jump. So, they all of a sudden got really, really fun. And, like, we always talk about that. I sneaky kind of like the Orlando Magic as a team, and I would be surprised if they're going to if they're gonna be a really fun team to watch moving forward. Yeah, I, I, always, I always weirdly find myself watching Orlando games just because I like Jonathan Isaac a lot. So when he's coming back this year, I think they'll just have a lot of fun guys with Cole Anthony too, or, like, R.J. Hampton, an NBL guy. Terrence Ross is always, like, a – You're telling me Terrence Ross team. couldn't be a six yeah. man of the year next year? If he wants – no, I could see it. Yeah, and I, I mean, I and magic. just pivoting back to Toronto because I think as the guy who infamously I said Scotty Barnes is going to go to the wrong system and not be good. I actually think Toronto is a pretty good place to land because they have they're infamous for their player development, and I think they can make Scotty Barnes into an all around really good player. I still don't think it is enough of a factor to give up on passing up on Jalen Suggs because I think. At their peaks, Jalen Suggs is going to be a better player. But I think Scotty Barnes has a much better chance to succeed now than he did if he was in Orlando. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more about that as a guy who's not really a Scotty Barnes guy. I just don't get too. It's like they have OG Ananobi. Like, where do they what do they plan on doing with this guy? It's like, how are they going to develop him if you plan on trying to develop OG Ananobi? That's what kind of scares me a little bit. But I see what you say about the player development too. It's because they're so good. At developing prospects like that, they must yeah. know what they're doing. Masai in the front office has always been excellent for that team with just kind of running the ship. Nick Nurse, I think, is for the next five or six years going to be a top three coach in the league. So it's a good system. 
for Barnes to go to. I just don't know if it's the best move on the Raptors part. Uh, talking talking about really good systems, coached by Steve Kerr. I actually think the Warriors drafted really great. I love Kaminga for them. Yeah, not not only did they get a, a developable de- developmental guy like Kaminga, who I think can work with Draymond and kind of develop those same types of defensive styles and getting people's head and that type of thing. But they also got Moses Moody, who we talked about a lot in our pre-draft pod. And I think he fell into a perfect spot for where he needed to develop. He's going to come off the bench for Golden State, play with Jordan Poole, play with guys, and then play with Draymond a lot, I'm sure. And he's going to be open a lot. And he's going to be able to develop his shot way better than I thought he was if he got drafted a little bit higher. He's the kind of guy who I think he is going to be able to contribute right away for any team he's going to be on. I think he definitely helps bolster bolster their bench, and he's going to be a key point, especially on their like second team. So I'm I'm very very happy with the uh, with that draft pick as well. And other than that, I, I feel like everybody else, all the other picks, kind of went to to chalk. I'm I'm happy with uh, the Cavs getting Mobley as we already talked about, and that's a good pick for them. Everything else. Seems to make sense for me. Um, I, I don't really, I can't really think of any big losers off the top of my head. I mean, again, I'm, do I have to say it again? It's going to be the Spurs. I mean, they drafted Josh Primo. <laughs> oh, we're an anti Spurs pod now. It's not even that. I like the Spurs. I usually, I like a lot of their guys. I like DeJounte. I like Derek White. I like uh, Keldon Johnson. But they drafted a point guard out of Alabama. I was doing research for the draft. This guy was projected to go second round. And they drafted him 13th overall. Everyone, the draft, the draft? guy, Perk, uh, Josh Primo. Oh, yeah, Primo, yeah. I mean, yeah, like you were saying, it just kind of came out of nowhere. They don't really have a plan right now. It's bizarre. It's very not Popovich. I think they're just washed. Like, they have R.C. Buford, who I think he's their GM. He's been their GM since 2002. That's so long. Like, yeah, <laughs> maybe he just, like, is forgetting where he was. <laughs> just like, yeah. <laughs> Well, the league, yeah, the league's changed. Like the league since 2002 has gone through like two or three different eras. Like you, tra- you draft differently now. You gotta change it up. Thinking about them going forward, I don't really know what they're going for. They try to salvage like their post Duncan years with some the Rosen and Aldridge quality seasons, but I think they're gonna be in the dumpster a while. I actually don't give them really any hope for the playing tournament. No, not at all. Um, one of one of the biggest winners that I thought from the draft. I gave you a chance, Riley. You didn't bring it up, but I was going to let you talk first. Was the Charlotte Hornets. I mean, luckily having Booknight yeah. fall to them at 11, pairing him with LaMelo as an upgrade to Monk and Devontae Graham, I think is fantastic. I don't think... I, I really don't know if there was much better situations for Booknight out there. Probably the Warriors, maybe. I can't think of much else. And I think he's going to thrive in that offense. And not only that, they traded some shitty future first-round pick with the Knicks to get to 19 and take Kai Jones, who I think is going to be a really big mobile center for them. He was yeah. a guy I wasn't sure I liked. I wasn't sure I knew about him. But once I saw that the Charlotte uh, the Charlotte, the Hornets picked Kai Jones with the Knicks pick, there's no doubt in my mind this guy's going to be a superstar. I mean, who are we kidding? <laughs> That's how yeah. it always happens with us, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh- I was in on the, the James Book night falling to Charlotte. Number one, because even though I, I loved him, I was like being pretty realistic where I don't think watching him the whole year, I didn't think he, he was a talent good enough of being a top 10 pick. Like, I don't know, to me, he just didn't really seem like his destiny. So I, I, I felt like 
middle middle round uh, to Charlotte makes a lot of sense. He's going to be on a competing team. He's going to actually be able to produce. I, I definitely like that pick for them. Um, yeah, that's my big one. My my big complaint is like going to the Knicks is they were hosting. I mean, they weren't hosting. It was in the Barclays, but obviously in New York, they have all these fans there. Come, they're ready to cheer every single pick that they have for once because there's hope in New oh, York. No. And it feels like they traded every single pick. Like yeah. the, the, they did. They did a disservice to their fans. They didn't give they, them a single chance. They even had Spike Lee there. He was on stage at one point. And every time they traded the pick, they just cut the Spike Lee, being like, "All right, next time," and then trade it again. <laughs> He's like, "I'm so tired." <laughs> just let yeah. him, let him, just let him go home. <laughs> I I was very iffy on a bunch of what the Knicks did draft night. I I always tend to find a way to buy in most of the time, except for when we pick Knox. But whatever. Um, but like, I guess I can see a scenario that makes sense. So I'm just gonna hope that these guys know that uh, the guys they drafted are going to develop really well because, I mean, if you think about it, none of these guys are going to have any playing time on the next roster now. We have 10 guys who are better than anybody we would have drafted at that range. So I'm right. guessing they wanted to pick guys that they could develop without, like if they put in a G League and they just let develop on their own, like they didn't need NBA minutes. So that's what I'm hoping for. And I'm hoping that uh, the guy out of Houston, uh, what's his name, Quinn Grimes, I'm hoping that he t- is okay with the G League role for the first season because he's not going to play over Burks. He's not going to play over quickly. He's not going to no. play over any of these guys in the wing. So I hope that that's their plan. But I actually agree. I think they're one of the bigger losers on the day, sadly. I'm obviously content a- with it, though, too, with IQ just kind of still developing. And we still kind of have a question mark over, over Obi Toppin. And didn't we kind of buy into earlier picks next year, like like a couple moves up? Exactly. I think that so, was kind of whatever. I think man. we, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't. I don't have the mental capacity to be sad about it, but I am a little sad about it because I do especially like Kai Jones. But it's okay. Yeah, like I said, he'll probably be a superstar without a lot. I wish you guys actually like, drafted. So we we Celtics drafted one guy. Uh, I don't even know how to say his last name. Begarin, I think his name is. <laughs> he's like he's like the second round, and the only thing that was. Anything anybody even cared about him is, to, is apparently the other day he went to Brad Stevens' office and he's like, "Can you just can I just like please play in the summer league? Like, they're, like <laughs> otherwise I'm just gonna be sitting here. I'm gonna get cut. Like, just please let me play." And everyone's <laughs> just like, "I admire this dedication." And it really all is just like, "Please just let me like attempt to have a job." Otherwise, moments, just, like, yeah. moments like that, Riley, make me wish the NBA did a hard knocks. How cool would it be for a few weeks just to like be in an NBA locker room while these guys are just like, "What's my future like?" <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That'd be great. I would actually love to get a camera into the Pelicans locker room because it's just, just Zion throwing stuff against the wall being like, fuck this. <laughs> I think they actually can't do NBA hard knocks because it all moves around too fast. But also, it might be like too telling of like where superstars' minds are at. There's so many players in the NFL that all the frustration kind of gets lost under the fold. But there's only like you know so many guys on an NBA starting roster that people would be pretty upset. The NBA hard knocks could really mess things up for teams. That would, that could be a disaster. You're right. Yeah. Uh, I guess one, just the kind of one there of well, say, there's not there. Yeah, there's one last like big uh, draft that uh, draft pick we didn't talk about. That was kind of one of the more controversial ones that I actually liked. I'm curious what you guys thought about was Davion Mitchell to the Kings because 
obviously they have a lot of guards in uh, Darren Fox, Buddy Heald, and Halliburton. But I think a backboard of Halliburton and Davion in the future is going to be deadly. And like, yeah, does that include Buddy Heald? Probably not. I mean, they they almost traded him for a bunch of scrubs. And what happens with Fox, we don't know. But knowing you're locking down Davion and Tyrese for the future, I love that backcourt. I like Sacramento for Davion a lot because I feel like it's a place that needs him. Like they're going to want to get minutes out of him pretty soon. He seems like he's going to be important to that team. So I think it's a good fit for, for him. I'm not sure how good fit for Sacramento it is because they actually kind of have to now really divide up minutes between that three guard rotation. Yeah. I, I, I think like people were just really quick to do like the like lol Kings audit. Cause like it just yeah. seemed kind of like an out of yeah. nowhere pick. And I agree that I think like just when you, when you're drafting, just, draft best player available like the pick made yeah. sense but I do think it's kind of weird how Davion Mitchell is already 22 like he's not really a project like he, he's kind of expected to go in there and like contribute right away and when you already like he's he's already older than Tyrese Halliburton who's like presumably going to be the starting one of the starting guards like I'd start Halliburton over Mitchell for sure so it seems kind of odd that they're gonna have to try to find time for him to develop in like these minutes. But then again, at the same time, it's the Sacramento Kings. Like who cares? They're not going to be very good anyway. <laughs> exactly. The Kings are so bizarre. I, I don't even know what to think of them as an organization. They, I feel like they still have a lot of trouble on their hands with past picks. They've, we've done this in the past. We've gone back and looked at teams that have drafted the worst. I think the Knicks definitely are up there for the past 10 years. But I think the Kings have them beat. I think they've passed on Damian. They've passed on Clay for like really wild guys. And I think most recently, what were they thinking with Bagley? Yeah. He kind of looks like he wants out now after all those guys from that class really succeeding most recently with Aiden. Bagley seems like he's going to focus on him. I don't blame him for wanting to get the fuck out of there. I think he's a good player. I think he could do – like, I I don't know if he's ever going to be, like, the guy on a team, but he could be a really good role player for a team contending for a title. I think he's I'd just like going to be always remembered as the guy who was in the same draft as Luca and Aiton and yeah, Trey yeah. and Jared he's Jackson. Yeah. He's so got he's, the same. He's got the same buoy uh, stink to him already, of just being like, "Oh, oh, they could have drafted had a uh, Luca Doncic, but no, they they got stuck with freaking Marvin Bagley." Marvin yeah, Bagley, whatever. you know that new set you're looking for. <laughs> <laughs> I bet he loves Back to the Future. Back to the well, Future. <laughs> yeah, if they could change things, they would definitely draft differently. Yes, we mean, I think we're still holding out for Schroeder, still holding out for potentially one more big blockbuster in Simmons. Who knows where he's going to land? We were talking off Mike a little bit beforehand. It could be at this point that Philly just kind of sees what they can get out of Ben and then try to move him at the trade deadline. Is that a possibility? Yeah, I th- I think at this point that if no real trade has flourished and like summer league's already starting, like they're gonna get they have to be like ready to go. Like I I think the season still starts in October again, so it's a quick turnaround. If they haven't found anything yet, I don't know. I'm I'm worried. I'm worried that poor Benson is gonna get booed in Philly. <laughs> this when he walks out opening for game. anything he does. <laughs> so sad. I would I could see him just quitting like we talked about. <laughs> I would love like. 
I think I would finally respect Ben Simmons if he's like, oh, like I would rather just not play basketball than deal with the shit. Like I, like my you mental... guys are all assholes. Yeah, like I Did have, you imagine I'm... if he just becomes a car salesman in like two That'd years. Be, yeah, <laughs> still just like a lockdown defender at like pickup games, but he's just like, <laughs> no, like no thanks. Like I'm, I'm done playing for you guys, jerks in Philly. Well, talking about hard knocks, like if they did like the Sixers, hard knocks would be elite this off season because just him kind of hanging around the locker room. Like Seth Curry's like, oh, what's up, Ben? Didn't see you there. Like, it's just gonna be yeah. awkward. Like, none <laughs> and, of those guys Embi- want him there. And Bede is just like giving him swirlies and like putting like, <laughs> kick me signs on Ben Simmons' back after practice. This is bad for morale. I mean, is there any way where Daryl Morey could talk to like the team and Ben and be like, listen, we're sticking <laughs> with Ben. We're gonna make it work. Is there any way where they draft like- up a game plan? <laughs> It's no like way. when the teacher when the teacher comes like comes to your lunch table and they're like, "Hey, stop picking on this kid." <laughs> like Mrs. Garcia, <laughs> who is most likely besides Embiid to pick on Ben on that team? I think Seth, dude. Seth's probably like, dude. I just fucking outscored you all postseason. What yeah, is wrong? I'm better than you. Either I should have your contract. Why am I? Why am I not a rookie? Yeah, sh- Shake Milton probably too. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I bet like I bet Milton and Maxie just dog on him. Yeah, I, I bet you him and him and Danny Green get along though, because Danny Green's like, I don't know what you feel. I feel like your fans were really mean to me. He's like, I've been I've I've airballed, I've I've lost to Oklahoma, I've seen it all. <laughs> Only up from here. Oh <laughs> Danny Green just does his best Giannis impression and then he gets kicked off the team for <laughs> being prejudiced against Greek freaks. I mean, realistically, that's the op- uh, the headspace that Ben Simmons should have. He's like, you know what? Like, fuck all these guys. Like, I I'm just gonna go out there and try my best and not be afraid. Yeah. To like, who, who's gonna make- in reality for yeah. more time? Like, I think he really could have been. I think he should have been Defensive Player of the Year. Actually, I think he had an. He is like n- the number two defensive player or number one in the league. So if they use him correctly, as someone just to like really facilitate, try to drive it, go coast to coast. And just be a lockdown defender, they can make it work. And I don't know, maybe he like trades minutes and like divides up his time with Shake. It's just weird. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, well, we'll definitely have to see. We got a lot of crazy storylines coming down the pipe for sure. We really do. Do you guys, before we go, just want to highlight out of the draft and out of the free agency the thing that you're looking forward to the most right out of the gate for the next upcoming season? Uh, one thing I'll say is that when I can't wait to be right about the Knicks regretting Jared Butler and not picking Jared Butler. And he's going to be so good on the Utah Jazz. I love the Jazz now. I'm just, I love everything they've done this offseason. And I mean, we didn't do, like, winners and losers of the offseason. That's something we planned. But I, the Jazz, for me, would be one of them. I just like the draft they had. I like the free agents they had. I like the trades they made. I love everything they've done to try and finally build a winner around Don and Rudy. Yeah, I I think the number one thing I'm looking forward to is uh, just seeing how the Bucks look. I I feel like that they're they got they're rolling right now. Uh, we got to see how they come out of the gate early. I still feel like they're the third or fourth best team in the in the league right now. So we got to see if they can continue this momentum and uh, see how they look if they try to go back to back. I really think outside – I'm trying to ride a similar wave. Outside of the Brooklyn Nets, who, again, if they're healthy, I think we're all kind of assuming they're a finals lock, which is just upset. But, again, that didn't happen this past year. You never know. So, I'm not going to get too downtrodden on it. But I'm just excited to see how the Eastern Conference shakes out because looking on it now, 
actually the Hawks, the Celtics, and the Knicks, for the most part, are all teams that just kind of bet on themselves and like, well, let's hope that, you know, Jalen Brown, Trey Young, like Julius Randle, like we just kind of re- like, let's just hope that these guys get better. There wasn't too many huge like free agent shakeups. It's just kind of the same team. It's going to be a lot of good rivalries and just kind of hoping that your core continues to improve. So I'm excited to track the progress of those three teams. Right. And I, I, I like that the Hawks are a team I didn't really mention much too, because they honestly had a really good draft. And that goes with your point of just building within and yeah. augmenting the guys they had. They drafted Jalen Johnson out of Duke 20th overall, who was a guy who was projected to go maybe top 14, definitely a lottery pick. And he's a Duke product, so you know he has potential. And they got Sharif Cooper out of Auburn. He's their point guard. He was a first-round pick, like, projected. Probably, like, the Knicks were considering taking him at, like, 20 or 19. And this guy went 48th overall, so I don't know what's wrong with him. But the Hawks got a steal for a backup for Trey. He's going to be a great fit for them. And the Hawks are just so much better. The East is going to be such a such a scary uh, conference. Maybe East for is them. fun again, officially. It's officially as fun as the West, if not more, I think. It's close. Well, this was a blast to break down everything. I think we definitely are going to be due for a couple more, hopefully emergency pods before the season starts up, but we're all going to keep going ahead and just being locked into our favorite part of the NBA, the off season. Another episode of your favorite show.